we are creating the very thing we don't want our children to be by demanding obedience by being harsh with them critical shaming them they will then revolt they will then run away from us and lower in self esteem which then results in them actually not being brave not being courageous not being risk takers in their adult life so then we actually are the perpetuators of our own hell Welcome. I'm Alyssa Nobrega, your host of the Healing and Human Potential podcast, a place for you to discover the multidimensionality of what it means to be human. Over the past 20 years, I've trained thousands of coaches in my methodology, leveraging my experience as a former psychotherapist, and I'm here to share with you all the wisdom and insights that I've learned along the way. Each week, I'll share with you life-changing tools to support you in awakening and manifesting your dream life from the inside out. We'll be exploring the intersection between ancient wisdom and modern everyday life, really diving deep into the art of human potential through the lens of psychology, spirituality, and coaching. Let's let the magic unfold. Dr. Shafali is an expert in family dynamics and personal development, teaching courses all around the world. She holds her doctorate in clinical psychology from Columbia University, and really specializes in the integration of Western psychology meeting Eastern philosophy. She's written four books, three of which have been New York Times bestsellers, and Oprah called Dr. Shafali's work revolutionary, and specifically her book, Conscious Parenting, one of the most profound books she's ever read. And I'm so excited to dive in today to talk to her about conscious parenting and the awakened woman. So I love that you are here. I just want to first off acknowledge both of us having done work in psychology. I know we understand that most of our issues go back to childhood. So the fact that you are helping parents heal and more consciously parent is everything to me. I think this is what is going to change the world and I don't do any work with parents. And so first off, thank you for doing that work. I'm so happy that you're doing that work in the world. And I know a lot of your work, and not all of it, but a lot of your work is around conscious parenting. And so for people that don't know what conscious parenting is, how do we context that just to kind of give them a sense? Um, well, conscious parenting is a <clears throat> new way of parenting. Uh, when you compare it to our traditional way that most of us were raised in, where we were raised through control and shame and fear and a lot of you know, hierarchical domination from the parent. So conscious parenting seeks to change that way and focuses on the parent raising themselves. Um, instead of the child being the focus, it's the parent's own inner child that they're trying to raise instead of focusing on the parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I love... I think parents, I don't know where perfectionism came from, but it feels like it infiltrates all areas of people's lives between parenting, health, uh, relationships, how we show up at work. And so I know there's a lot of parents that are going to hear this episode thinking they need to be perfect or they're trying to, they may have some guilt around parenting and have some ideas that they're not doing enough. And that's not at all the intention of this. And I think the be we're going to mess up our kids. <laughs> and I think the best thing we can do is take ownership, uh, apologize on our humanity, model that, uh, learn from everything, be compassionate with ourselves. And with that, because blaming doesn't work and it doesn't feel good. So, but still having a compassionate awareness, how do we become more aware while being compassionate with ourselves and creating change? And so 
contexting the question that I'm about to ask you with that is what are some of the unconscious parenting uh, strategies or ways of being that people aren't usually aware of that you see? So just by hearing some of the things that they do, they can start to become more compassionately aware. Well, I think, you know, that's one of the main issues is that because most of us were raised without compassionate Mm self-acceptance because we were raised with parents who were not compassionate toward us we actually are unable to be compassionate toward others and toward our children so it's because we were never accepted for our full selves as children Mm -hmm. we're unable to give that acceptance to others and and to our children so it's kind of generational so the first place to start with trying to be conscious to our children is to be loving and kind and self-compassionate toward ourselves. So that's where it all begins. And, and then when you begin to understand how, you know, we're so cruel to ourselves, we're so harsh with ourselves, we're overly perfectionistic, we overly critique ourselves, we overly judge ourselves. Because of that, we are unable to then, you know, be loving or compassionate or accepting to our children. So it really, how we treat our children in many ways is a reflection of how we treat Mm -hmm. ourselves. And how we were parented, right? It gets passed down unless we do the work to take a look and awareness is the first step. And so, you know, that's where some of our work ties in together, where it's about reparenting ourselves, no matter what our childhood was, it's our responsibility to parent ourselves. And I think even sometimes having compassion with ourselves can look like, okay, if I'm, if there's an inner critic, even the critic is trying to help me in some way. And so learning to say, thank you, critic. I know you're trying to protect me. So I'm accepted. And so I'm loved if I do these certain things, but then realizing it's not really effective to criticize the critic. It's just more helps us soften around it. And so I love that you do that work because otherwise it's just theory instead of embodied, instead of being lived. Right. It's, it's, it's what you're saying is to, to see all parts of ourselves. So even the quote unquote, not so uh, compassionate parts or not so loving parts of ourselves, but then not to be unloving to yeah. be not so loving parts and not to be unkind to the not so kind parts, but to accept, okay, I can get reactive. I can get impatient. I can get anxious, but be loving to those parts of ourselves will then allow us mm-hmm to and also not only to love other people's not so positive traits but then when they show up with those negative traits in front of us not to judge them so harshly because we begin to see how we relate to them is again how we relate to ourselves so we use our relationship with them as a practice to to become more compassionate with yeah. ourselves right so our children our children especially can be that laboratory where we get to practice accepting them, but really it's because we are practicing to accept ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And one thing that really helped me was understanding what the, the positive intention was inside anything that I'm doing. So if I'm trying, if I'm using perfectionism or criticism on myself, I ask myself, how is that pattern trying to serve me? And like, oh, that pattern is trying to make sure that I'm perfect so that then I'm loved or so that then I'm safe. That whole framework helps soften so that these things aren't in the way, that they are the way. And as we transform them, we can be more naturally loving with our children, which I love that you do that work. I happen to do it more in business or in romantic relationships. So it feels more holistic and well-rounded the way that you're doing this. And 
I don't know if you coined this, but I love it, where I've heard that our kids mirror to us the wounding we had at the age that they're going through. And I love that mm. because then it's a digestible way to see our kids as mirrors and to look at, well, when I was in middle school or 12 years old, here was my wounding and here's how I can help heal that part of me and then more naturally show up to be a loving presence for my children the way that they need it. And so I think that that's a really digestible way to break it down and not have this idea like I have to be perfect to parent. Um, but I also just, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't realize that my parents were growing up too. <laughs> And so to yeah. kind of normalize and bring a bit of humanity into this conversation, are you open to sharing uh, a, a trigger or something that you navigated with your child and how you navigated that and, and things that you've learned through that? Yeah. So I think it's really important what you said, that we have such uh, a lack of understanding of our own parents' immaturity until we become parents. Mm -hmm. And it's only when we become parents, we realize, oh my goodness, my poor mom was a mom in her 30s and she was clueless too or she was immature too and she was struggling too and it's only when we become parents ourselves that we realize that our parents also were stuck in generational patterns and were not aware of how to break down yeah. uh break them down so in terms of my own triggers you know uh, you know i too had so many expectations of my child and wanted her to be uh, kind of a version of me and my my nature, but my child is very different. Her nature is very different from mine, and it took that discrepancy between my expectation and who she was for me to realize that I'm the one who is coming toward her with a projection, with an expectation because of my need. Mm -hmm. And it was only when I met my own need that I then stopped projecting my needs onto her. And then I could see her for who she was. Mm -hmm. But till then I was constantly clashing with her because I was trying to make her who I wanted to be. And it took me a long time to realize it's because I was lack in lack in some way. Yeah. That, you know, why do we want other people to be exactly like us? Think like us, act like us. It's because we feel like we alone are not enough and we will be threatened if they are who they are. So we want everyone to be like us. So we feel like the sense of belonging, but it's only when we heal ourselves and accept ourselves, then we allow others to be in their own different way of being without needing them to be anything like we need them yeah. to be. I'm a stepmom of three and I've definitely seen that even in work where if I'm looking for something outside of myself to give me that something that I think I'm lacking, I hurt. And so to, to welcome the parts of me that don't feel good enough, to welcome the parts of me that I've judged, ironically helps me soften. And then I let go of needing it from anything outside, work, relationships, kids. And, and it starts mirroring to me the wholeness that I've just discovered inside. So I love that you do that work and that you, you lead with transparency to share that it's okay. Like triggers are going to happen. These are teachers. How do we use them? I think that's really beautiful. Yes. And yes. I've heard you speak of this, and I would love just to create space for you to elaborate on it here. So sometimes there are unconscious ways of parenting that give parents short-term wins and long-term effects on the child. So like raising the child to be obedient, a good child or a good boy or girl. How does that play out in the long run with children? What do you see as the harm in that? Right. So, you know, if you asked a parent what would they like their child to be when they grow up, 
most parents will say we want them to be autonomous and independent and courageous and risk takers and rebels and mavericks and warriors. And then that same parent will demand that the child is, you know, servile and obedient to them at home. And that's where there's this huge clash. And, 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 and ironically, we are our worst, greatest enemies or our best enemies, our biggest enemies, because we are creating the very thing we don't want our children to be. So we, by demanding obedience, by being harsh with them, critical, shaming them, they will then revolt. They will then run away from us and shut down and withdraw and lower in self-esteem, which then results in them actually not being brave, not being courageous, not being risk takers in their adult life. So then we actually are the perpetuators of our own hell, right? We want to raise kids who are connected to us, who feel confident, who feel secure, but we don't see how we're undermining that in the moment by moment connection. You know, our children are coming to us wanting connection and we shame them, we critique them, we judge them, we don't create a safe space for them and then they shut down and then we wonder why we don't have connection with them. It's because we very unconsciously, but very profoundly sow the seeds of unsafety and shaming and invalidation. And all our children want from us is to be seen. What every human wants is to be seen and to be understood. And because we were never seen and understood as children, we can't give it to our children. We don't know how to give it to our children, but then our children will eventually alienate from us and alienate from themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been fascinating to watch my husband parent our kids because he's such a conscious father. It's actually helped me heal parts of myself just by watching how he shows up for them. It's helped heal a part of me. And I had a beautiful childhood and there was challenges. Um, but it's, you know, we can do it within ourselves and with present loving people around, we can also receive that in relationship, whether it be with the child, with our partners, um, doing it with a great therapist or a coach. Um, I also just want to give that reference point for people to start uh, healing with inside themselves. I'm just curious. I, I still want to hear about kind of the obedient kid because I, I think I heard you something, say something around. And so just as people are listening to this, it's like, well, how is the way that I'm parenting going to show up with my kids long term, which is a great curiosity and inquiry. And do I want to give them more freedom and space to maybe push back a bit so that they don't they don't lose their compass of truth and they don't just conform to what everyone else wants them to do so that you stay authentic and true and although it may be harder in the short term i know it's really what most parents would want for their kids in the long term but i also heard you say something around um, perpetrators being more likely to attack somebody a child that's obeying their child is that right is that part of what you were speaking to well, well, most predators in adult life, you know, target uh, those who are of a personality that are more empathic, more caring, but also without boundaries. So that when we invade our children's boundaries and we force them into compliance and we force them to be obedient, we are actually teaching them that that is okay to accept from adults. So adults then look for the predators, especially look for prey who are willing to forego their boundaries, who are willing to 
do anything for the sake of approval, for the sake of validation. So we don't want to raise children who are slaves to our approval, slaves to our validation, so that they do not then become prey to you know, others' uh, opinions, others' approval, and lose themselves in that desire for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the best work we can do is on ourselves. And I keep hearing you coming back to that because then we will show up to parent our children from a whole different place and they will watch what we do more than what we say. And I'm also thinking and hearing somebody say in my head, well, what happens if I don't want to have a relationship with my parent? Maybe they're an adult and they don't want to do this healing work with their parents. What would you say to them? That's fine. You don't have to do the healing work with your parents, but you have to do the healing work that your parents created yeah. and you got going to have to tackle that. But yeah, you don't have to necessarily go and yell at your mom and fix it, take her to therapy and even reconcile. That's okay. But you definitely have to still look at the patterns that were created from your childhood and, you know, the effects of not having that relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, many, many adults who've been hurt by their parents, especially their mothers, um, often create a boundary with their mothers, sometimes with their fathers, and then don't talk to them or disengage with them. That, that may be healthy, but that doesn't mean you have not yet, in, you've not internalized that relationship mm -hmm. deeply. And, and what does it mean to have grown up with a mother or a father who was not attuned to you? What does it mean for you to have grown up with a, with a parent who wasn't caring about you? That has had deep repercussions in your psyche that you may not be aware of. Yeah. And it shows up, it shows up in your, in your relationships, it shows up in your parenting. So you, whether you talk to that parent or not or heal it, you will have to contend with the effects of that no matter what. Absolutely, yeah, I love that you shared that so that people don't think that they need to heal it with their parent. It's sometimes healthy to take that space and yet those patterns are still orienting inside of us. I also see how it plays out in business or with team. And how do we heal that at the root within us? And how do we learn the tools or develop the relationships to have those missed experiences more tended to now? Because that is our responsibility. So I love that, that you're speaking to that. Uh, another thing that I just, you've mentioned and touched on is this idea of having expectations for our kids. So where's that balance? Where's the line with kind of guiding our children while still allowing them to have their own path. What do you recommend for people that's a healthy integration of those? Well, first, it is going to be always messy. So don't expect it to be something clean with a fine line that's always coherent. It's going to be messy. But what the, the rule of thumb that I like to follow is that, A, you're always in charge of keeping your children safe. Yeah, that, that should go without saying. Mm. But the, the next thing that we're talking about is emotional safety and emotional expectations. So yes, do I expect my child to lock the door when they leave the house? Yes, those things have to do with physical safety, but let's talk about emotional safety. I always tell parents is yes, you can create expectations, but do that in synchronicity with what is natural for the child. Either in, so say you, you can create an expectation that they go show up for their exams, because that is naturally occurring because that's what the school requires. But to then expect them to get an A grade or an A plus when their natural proclivity is more towards the B may be pushing it too much. So push them, but not so far out of their 
natural proclivity. So if they are a B student, you can push them to, hey, let's work a little harder. But at any rate, it's not about the grade. You can push them a little bit more, but to expect them to get an A plus is really going to cause deep shame, mm -hmm. insecurity, mm -hmm. and, and fear in them. So you do it, but just beyond their natural proclivity and don't go so far out or go so under their natural mm -hmm. proclivity. You know, so it's, a, it's about attuning to your child's natural ways and then finding that, that perfect, you know, risk-taking uh, edge mm -hmm. Um, but not pushing them over the cliff. Yeah, so I hear meeting them where they are in what their interests are and then guiding them just a little bit further, not to push too far, yes. not to underwhelm, but just to meet them and guide them a, a next step. That's beautiful because every yes. child's going to be different, right? Like my, I'm again, their yes. stepmom, and there's three that are completely different. And knowing about the Enneagram and human design and astrology and all these different things, it makes sense and it helps to how to hold space for what their natural interests are. And the more self-aware I am, the more I can give them permission and space to flower and develop in the ways that they're called to. Imagine having a fulfilling career doing what you love, working from anywhere in the world, setting your own hours while making good money and a big impact. If that lights you up, then I'm super excited to share with you today's sponsor, the Institute for Coaching Mastery. This is my robust accredited year-long certification program for newer seasoned coaches therapists, leaders, and those just looking to up-level their life in a profound way. We have an amazing community of students from all around the world who have really started their journey to expand with us both personally and professionally. And this experience is designed to give you the three things that you need to thrive. So first, you have all of the tools and support you need to move past what's been holding you back so that you can completely change the trajectory of your life. And then you learn how to masterfully and confidently facilitate transformation with your clients or your team, regardless of your niche. If you want to do health, business, relationship, or you just have no idea yet, we hold your hand for that. And then lastly, you'll receive my six figure and beyond signature roadmap that's customizable to meet you wherever you are. So whether you want to do high ticket sales, online marketing, or you just want to hit six figures without ever needing to go on social media, we've got you covered. And this truly is the most rewarding work in the world. We have new students now who have a waitlist of dream clients in under a year. We also have seasoned students who are doing $80,000 months. And this is really about creating lasting transformation from the inside out so that you can share your gifts and serve the world in all the ways that you're called to. And I've seen firsthand the power of what happens when you have the community to collaborate with, but you also have the right tools and resources to really thrive. And so whether you want to do your own personal development, you're wanting to become a coach, or you're just looking for a cutting edge approach to really grow your business, the Institute for Coaching Mastery is for you. You are held every single step of the way. And so if you want to get behind the scenes access to the Institute with three proven transformational tools for free to help you create the business and life you love, all you have to do is go to alissanobriga.com forward slash tools or you can find us at alissanobriga.com forward slash apply now to see all the details and apply today. I love sharing practical guides. I love practical techniques or exercises. What have you found helpful so that parents can start implementing or testing new things out to foster more connection, right? Like if they don't have that screen time, like what are some things that they can do? At not as much. I mean, obviously, screen time is going to be part of our modern day lifestyle. But 
what are some things that you have heard of or found helpful in working with parents to foster those more deeper connections? Well, you know, I've written five books on this topic because it's not easy to just give a practical tool. Mm -hmm. What are the practical tools? Listen to your child, hold space, validate their emotions, uh, uh, create a safe environment for them to express themselves. Do not yell, do not scream, do not overreact, do not punish, do not shame. So people know the practical yeah. tools, but they don't implement them because it's not about the, the actual behavior mm -hmm. so much. It's about what is driving the behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's what my work focuses on. And I've written five books on it. And my latest one uh, called The Parenting Map has 20 steps with exercises to help reinforce how to heal at a deeper level. Because when we heal at a deeper level, then the surface behaviors become much easier. Yeah. Because we all rationally know what to do, yeah. but we yet don't do it because there's something blocking us from inside. And typically what's blocking us from inside is our own inner disconnect, mm -hmm. our own inner fears, our own inner threats from childhood. Yeah. And you know the reason we can't show up for others in our lives in the way they need us to is because we never had that modeled for us. Yeah. So we simply don't know how to be flexible or adaptable. So my work is about the deeper layers of the, of the parent's psyche. Mm -hmm. And if parents read my books and implement the things I suggest, it's not going to change in a day because it's not about a quick fix, but it's about a deep healing, which will then create a wide effect, a, a profound effect across areas uh, in the in the relationship. So it's not just about how do I get my kid to get off the screen or <laughs> it's not just about a, go a goal. Okay. It's about an entire relationship. Yeah. And this is exactly a, the same methodology and, and modeling change from the inside out that I also support, but not with parenting. So I very much align. Will you share a story about a case study just so people can draw the connections with maybe somebody that um, thought, you know, when I was, used to be a psychotherapist, people would come in and bring their kids and then, you know, we're kind of taught to work with the parents. It's, the kids are just a reflection of the family system. Is there a story to help people connect the dots with maybe somebody that's newer listening? Like, okay, they thought it was um, the, the, the child's issue and it really was a reflection of what the parent was going through and how they started connecting the dots to do deeper work. Is there any story that you can share? Well, you know, every, every story is that story that parents bring. So anytime a parent is overreactive beyond, uh, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it 100% will come back to something that is being evoked within the parent. So, you know, generic to, you know, all examples are kind of generic, but something like this, you know, the child wants to drop out of college and the parent loses their shit because the parent has invested so much money and the parent feels like a, B, a bachelor's degree is the basic degree you should get. And if you don't get that, then you're going to be a loser. Then you're going to be a failure. Then you're going to live at home. And so the parent is losing their mind. And if you deconstruct with that parent, what's really going on, you will eventually come down to some core wound that is reactivated in the parent. Something like, well, I was a failure when I was young and you know, I don't want it to be difficult for my child or life is so difficult and I'm just trying to protect my child and I'm scared that if I'm not going to protect them, I'll be a bad parent. So it always comes back to some core wound within the parent. Mm -hmm. And that's what's creating the trigger and that's what's creating the reactivity and therefore the disconnection. 
And once the parent can take care of that, then the parent is able to say, okay, now let me attune to my child. What's going on inside my child, which I've been ignoring because I'm so hell-bent on being right, and I'm not even listening to my child. Okay, now let me try to understand what is my child trying to say to me? What are my core needs of my child? And, and once you begin to attune to that and access that, now you are really going to help your child navigate whatever they're going through. And maybe your child will eventually go back to school in a few years. Yeah. But if you don't address their needs because you're so caught up in your need, then you're actually going to create a greater disconnection yeah. and you're going to trouble your child even more and, and be your worst enemy even more. Yeah. And I think as we do the work to heal those parts of us, it's natural then to show up for them and to want to support and be that loving presence and parent for them. And it, it just comes out because we've already offered that to ourselves. Some of the work that are core themes that I've seen around blocks with business, and I'm curious how you've kind of mirrored or seen that with parenting, is people-pleasing, perfectionism, self-doubt, um, per procrastination, and underneath some of those blocks is really, I've seen that it ties back to worthiness, this misunderstanding that I am not good enough or I am inadequate and not whole. And part of my discovery has been, well, if we are neglecting a part of ourselves, of course, then we couldn't feel whole because there's a part of us that we haven't accepted. And so as we do the work to more fully awaken to who we are beyond any of the personality and we learn to integrate these parts of ours, our parts of our psyche, Ironically, we start to feel more whole. I'm curious if you've seen any parallel correlations or some of the core wounds that are more common. I know belonging is a big one, inadequacy. Is there any others that you've seen in your work? Well, I think they're layers. So I think the, the, the perfectionism, the you know, lack of risk-taking, the anxiety, those are the surface mm -hmm. manifestations. And then you go deeper and then you come down to you know, uh, feeling like a lack of belonging, lack of safety, lack of security, lack of understanding, validation, approval. Am I good enough? Do you see me? But then at another layer below that, of course, is the layer of unworthiness. But even below that is simply the fear of, of just, being, uh, just being seen for our essence uh, and feeling, feeling that very profound disconnection to ourselves and to others. Uh, so I think there are layers to it, but at the core is, is a deep fear that we will not be loved, mm -hmm. that we will not be taken care of. A and that core fear is something that we all have. Uh, and the only way out of that ultimately is to begin to parent yourself. You know, we can beg our partners to listen to us, to hear us, to understand. We can, we can beg our parents to do that. But ultimately, they won't be able to meet that need because that need is not even being met in them. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, we have to meet that need within ourselves and we'll have to reparent ourselves. Yeah. And the more we can reparent ourselves, the less we will you know, lay open those wounds to others and the less we will be hurt by others. Mm -hmm. and, and, put, and, and it's not because others are being mean to us necessarily. They can't meet that need because they themselves are struggling in their own psyche with that need themselves. So to, I, I say it's like we're all beggars begging the other one to understand and the other one wants that same understanding. So, you know, that's why we have to just 
take it upon ourselves to heal ourselves at the end of the day. Yeah. And I like that you're bringing it down to the root, which is really about survival and safety and somewhat of an existential, like even there's the psychological and underneath that there's a spiritual, the depth of it is identity of who am I and will I not exist? Yes. And so I know that your work touches on the psychological and spiritual, so does mine. So I love that we have a very similar orientation around a map of, you know, this is Ken Wilber's quote, but growing up and waking up. Yes. And, and I love that we proactively do the work so that we don't have to keep unconsciously playing it out in our lives because life will mirror to us where we're unconscious and what's left through the kids, through work, through relationships, health. And as we do the work proactively, we no longer have to keep uh, on playing it out so that we can feel more whole and at peace and work with the present moment trigger rather than this baggage from the past that we've not been willing to heal and face because we haven't had the tools. We don't learn this stuff in school. I don't know why I learned it in grad school and not grade school, but this is part of the intention of the podcast to share with people a toolkit for humanity to start knowing that there's another way and it can be easier mm-hmm. and it can be softer you know, and more feminine. And mm-hmm. so that kind of brings me to this other conversation. I want to pivot a little bit um, because you speak to something that's so important and everything in my body rings like it, you're like a tuning fork for me around this. And I want to dive deeper into it when you talk about the time of the awakened woman. And I would love for you just to share just just to channel a bit about about what that means, about that um, that body of work. Well, it, it, it's a lot. It means a lot. And I've written a book called A Radical Awakening, which helps women awaken uh, to their own authentic truth of who they are, to the best that they can, of yeah. course. Um, but, but I think for me to awaken really means to stop depending on others so voraciously to meet your needs. Mm-hmm. And I still do this. You know, I still look to others to meet my needs. And and, and that's a mistake. It's a folly because, as I said before, others are struggling in their own ineptitudes, in their own wounds, in their own pain. So when we put ourselves like prey, uh, you know, seeking another to validate us, we give our power away and we actually need to keep that power for ourselves and esteem ourselves and value ourselves so much that our own approval, our own validation means so much to us. And I think as women, uh, we need to do more of that because we typically define ourselves through relationships Mm. and we so want the other to understand us and validate us. And that's a beautiful need to have, but sometimes we get lost in that and get deeply hurt because we don't get that need met. So it's, it's a very female thing. And it's our strength because we're so relational, but it can also be our folly and our curse because we so want that relationship to meet our needs. Uh, and then we go overboard and then it can actually become toxic for us. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what are some of the things that you see restrict women from really more fully embodying an awakening? It sounds like this need for approval, this pleasing and taking care of other rather than self. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I mean, I think most maternal feminine women who are in touch with their maternalism and femininity really will do anything for relationship because we believe in the we and we believe in the 
in the you know connection but i think we sometimes lose ourselves in that and we don't have healthy boundaries and we you know then expect too much from that relationship and most uh, most of the times we may also choose partners who are not emotionally available to us yeah. who cannot be be there for us and then that's devastating for us um so the relationship is a powerful conduit but i think we need to be careful to not lose ourselves in that yeah. in that seeking of relationship yeah i uh, i'm a big fan of the yes and learning the tools to meet all parts of ourselves personal responsibility and knowing that there is an option to also heal it in partnership when there's conscious partnership when someone's safe enough to really presence those parts that they've done their work as well so I, I, I hold the, the yes and. I'm, I'm also just curious, your personal framework or your understanding of kind of this, how we're in a patriarchal world and where you're hoping we're moving out of or what you hold as a vision for humanity. Um, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Well, I think we are moving toward more compartmentalization and more you know, of this toxic masculine element of shaming domination, separation, withdrawal, mm. uh, reclusivity, rather than connection, bonding, softness, uh, you know, empathy, warmth. Um, I think we're moving more towards uh, toxic masculine traits in the world. And that's why our world is suffering yeah. and our children are suffering because there's not enough of this feminine warmth and empathy uh, present. And in fact, many, many females are abandoning their feminine side and moving toward more masculinity, mm. which is okay, but sometimes we we do it uh, dis and forsake our femininity, mm. not include our femininity with a masculinity. We're disowning the parts of the feminine soul, which is so beautiful, mm. you know, because it is the feminine that is the ultimate caretaker, the ultimate connection builder, the ultimate empath. And these are the things that are healing in the world. Mm. Um, and a hyper-logical, rational, deductionistic, reductionistic way of living is not healthy for the world. Uh, it's it's not heart-based. It's not heart-centered. And that comes from the feminine energy. And we need to hold on to that as, as females because we are the, the real caretakers of that energy. Mm -hmm. But sadly, we, we feminine women are think, feeling like that is a weakness. Yeah. And we're abandoning that. Yeah, I know for myself, I watched um, in my parents, and I've actually worked with other people who saw their parents' dynamic play out and decided to be more like the man, the dad, because of whatever stories, you know, also, I would, I don't know if this is your experience, but um, I know mother daughters have a lot of stuff to work out. And so having chosen, oh, well, if I'm going to be more like mom or dad, I'm choosing dad because of the way that the patriarch has been set up and because of what we've kind of been t sold to by society as, are the ways to be and he, doing that inner work to heal those misunderstandings around the, I used to say toxic masculine and, I, and uh, David Data invited me to say the undeveloped masculine and I really liked that. It felt like it came with a compassionate lens. So like this more immature, younger um, energy. And so it was like, okay, so if we're maybe toddlers emotionally as a human race and we're, you know, it's not bad to be in preschool, but we're growing and evolving. How do we bring more of these feminine traits 
which are in men and women and gender nonconforming. It's in all of us. But how do we bring these feminine traits of inclusivity and compassion and heart so that we can balance some of what's within us and outside of us in the world? And so, you know, you sometimes you will just channel something and it's like a tuning fork for me. And I'm just a yes for the energy and that you have this beautiful poem um, that is about the, the time of the awakened woman. And I'm just grateful for you being a leading voice and and it does it you all of us when we share whenever it's coming from truth it reminds and awakens all of us and so thank you for that and yes to continuing to be in this collaborative space of compassion and softening with the heart more so that we can respond to the moment whether our inner masculine or feminine is needed so it's more in balance and it hasn't been. And so I'm hoping we're moving in that direction by starting with ourselves and have that reflected in our world. And we shall see. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, just in closing, I just wanted to ask, is there any question that you wished people would ask you and they don't? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I've been asked almost every question, but I think the most... uh, most unanswerable question really that i really can't answer is why are we so messed up um you know why is it that we have to go through this process um and so i'll just leave it at that that it is inexplicable why it is that it's so hard for us to be loving compassionate warm soft and kind why is it so hard and i don't i mean the i can say that the answer is because we were not loved as children and then we created an ego and that ego is uh, you know our false self trying to create uh, validity in the world yes but then the question is but why did we why do we have to have fucked up childhoods oh because our parents had fucked up childhoods oh but then why right so that that is actually a question i can just never answer because it just seems to be the way it is and it's a tragedy uh but it that's just how we are in this human species at this point in time and uh therefore it's all the more imperative for voices like yours to be out there in the world so i thank you for what you do because we need to heal from this because we have no choice mm-hmm. it seems to be so rampant it, it seems to be so invariable so immutable that therefore we we have no choice but to heal. And that's why work like what you do and what I do is so important. Yeah. And I know for me, because I do a lot of micro macro, I know for me, when I feel scared, I cl- there's a part of me that closes thinking that's going to protect me. And ironically, when I close, that creates the very thing I'm trying to avoid. And so in the willingness yeah. to soften, even when I want to close, even open my spiritual heart or notice that my spiritual heart is already open, even if the ego wants to close, then there's a softening. And if I keep my heart open, I don't hurt. And so I don't, I don't know the why. And yet I know that when I keep my heart open, it's, it connects me to a love that I deeply desire and I stay awake to it. And it's not always easy, but I think that's part of the work as the rising feminine and, and that we get to support birthing into this world more fully. So I thank you for the work that you're doing with parents, because truly it is the root that is going to support healing intergenerational trauma, misunderstandings, develop a more conscious 
uh, the new earth. And so I appreciate you. I see you. I'm very grateful for you. And I know my audience is wanting, they're going to want to stay connected. How do they stay connected? Well, uh, on my website, uh, com, and also on Instagram, they can find me there as well. Beautiful. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. So, so grateful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Alyssa. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this work that changes the world, starting with yourself. It truly does make a difference. And if you're finding value in this podcast, a cost-free way to support us is by leaving it up to five-star review. It does mean the world to us. And as a thank you gift, we're going to send you one of the most powerful tools that you will ever discover. You're going to get behind the scenes access, showing you how to live into your full potential without letting fear hold you back from stepping into your dreams. Just head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave a review now. You can take a screenshot before hitting submit and then go to alissanobriga.com forward slash podcast to upload it. And make sure to have your automatic downloads turned on wherever you listen so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I have so much magic I can't wait to share with you. And you can find all this information in the show notes below. But lastly, if you're on Instagram, I love connecting and hearing from you. So come on over and say hello. I'm at alissanobriga. Thank you again for being here. I cannot wait to share more with you.